Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome to Sugar and Silk, brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silkolajbe. So, Michael... Only one talking point, or well, perhaps two talking points this evening. But um, I expected Terence Crawford to beat Errol Spence last yes. night in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I expected him for the reasons a lot of other people said that he they just figured he was the better all round fighter. And mm-hmm. whatever went down in the fight and, and however it unfolded, he would he would he had the skills and the IQ and 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 you know the other the other physical aspects to to emerge victorious. I didn't expect him to be so utterly dominant in that mm-hmm. fashion. Um, yeah, yeah. You? the uh, the sophisticated southpaw, uh, you know, um, always impressed by uh, Crawford. He's always been like in my from seeing from the first time I saw him, he was always in my top like five of best fighters um, fighting in the game currently. And then that, you know, if you if it wasn't Davis, it was him. And so. I, I expected to see that kind of performance from him because he's just such a consummate professional. He's so, like, he doesn't have to do anything fancy. He doesn't have to do things to distract away from his abilities. And that's why Not- I like him. That's why I liken him so much to Marvin Hagler in that way. He's very, like, he's, he's, he's all about that work. And, and, um, and and the fact that you're able to put those blinders on and not be distracted by anything, whatever, and and everything that comes his way, he uses it as fuel, and I, and I really like that about him. I think I think the Hagler comparison is, is a good one because as well, he, he's a he's a fantastic switch hitter as well. There mm-hmm. is no there are no frills, but there is the, you know the, the the style and versatility and the power mm-hmm. and the spitefulness that you know the the, the, the kind of cold. Oh, yeah. he's a he's a surgeon, isn't he? He's surgical yeah. and he. He really yeah. wants to break you down, you know, mm-hmm. like Marvin mm-hmm. Hagler would do at his best. You know, he was sometimes uh, described as workman like Hagler on one of his less spectacular nights, like against Wan Roldan. Yeah. But he was just an efficient, um, ruthless fighting machine who definitely subscribed to your yeah. uh, value base that you don't want to be here in the final bell if you can help yeah. it. That, the, that's yeah. not your, your remit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um. There's there's something like whenever I saw Hagler, he always reminded me of that that type of person who just wanted to like pound you into dust, like just beat you down, beat you down. And there's been a couple of times where he's, you know, he second guessed himself. And that's one, and that's something that Crawford didn't do yesterday. It's very interesting with fighters. Once you're, once you're in the ring, after you, after your damaged goods, let's say, and you've had some hard times, hard issues, like, like Spence had, um, you tend to hesitate. And as soon as you hesitate, you miss your opportunities, and that's kind of what I saw. I saw, I saw, um, I saw him hesitant. I saw Spence hesitant. And I saw Crawford extremely determined, precise, accurate, and purposeful in what he wanted to do. The, the body language and the energy was poles apart. 
I'm going to get this out of the way early doors in the show, Michael, because I feel this has been frustrating me a little bit today because I feel a lot of people are knee-jerking rather than being able to entertain two realities at once. Spent, a, a brilliant um, a, and spellbinding as Crawford was, Spence did not look at all right to me. Um, and it's not just me. Montel Griffin and Iceman John Scully said before the fight, what the hell's wrong with him? Uh, looking at him coming to the ring or his demeanour in the dressing room and such like. Um, and um, I think er, that was no way in, in hell was that the best incarnation of Errol Spence. Um, I think Crawford is the better, all-round better fighter. And I, th- I always fancy him to beat him. And I think he'd have beat him at any time. But something was going on with Errol Spence last night. And I'm not sure what it is. But he looked, he looked alarmingly off in a way that I even wonder if he can recover from that. Um, maybe some more details will emerge or perhaps they won't because sometimes, you know, people don't like to make excuses and Errol Spence hasn't attempted to make excuses. Yeah. But he definitely, it looked like there was something wrong with him last night, Michael, to me. Well, he, he, he said, I guess you could say he beat guys, good guys like that. But when you're fighting somebody that's potentially great, um, I don't yeah. know. I don't know that you can get away with things like that. It's, you know, it's a, it's a whole different kettle of fish. Um, Crawford, I mean, I noticed, you know, as soon as the bell rang, right from the get-go, you just saw it wasn't what Spence thought it was going to be. And that's a rude awakening. When you get in the ring and it isn't what you thought it was going to be. Listen, both fighters going in there with with their intent, really pure, clear, on the table. They're both, I mean, I said it myself last night you know, before the fight. I was like, these guys are going to meet center ring and no one's going to be dancing around and no one's going to be... Yeah for time and all that's that kind of stuff it's pretty much going to be like they're fencing they're right in front of each other and they're going to start dueling right away if not the first round the second round for sure and spence for some reason wasn't ready for that his balance didn't seem legs weren't there it didn't seem to be i i really feel you know basically ben let me just say i just thought from the car accident on i think that he, he it, the um resiliency wasn't there yeah, it's, you know what I mean. You have to be resilient, obviously, as a fighter, especially in those lightweight divisions where they throw a lot of punches. And maybe some of the guys that he fought weren't able to get to him. But Crawford is the kind of guy that's going to get to you. And his punches, he knows how to punch hard. He knows how to chance for the punch as well, as does Spence. But uh, he he just the response to the punches just wasn't right. Like he went down so easy off off punches that weren't. I mean. When I say he went down easy, not that he lost the motor skill either, it's just that he was tilted over awkwardly and then the punch helped him go over. And, 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 and as accurate, as clever and accurate as Crawford is, he just seemed very easy to hit Spence. But when we look, we're talking about an elite super fight where we're talking about there was supposed to be these tiny degrees that might separate them on the night. Mm-hmm. And you were saying to me ahead of the fight, you know, when you the more you thought about it and endured your imagination, the more you got excited because you thought this could be the real high end of the game that we all live for, right? Yeah. And he was he was easy to hit. He marked up real quick. I just remember thinking after four rounds or three rounds, it looked like Errol Spence had done ten already. And yeah, Crawford yeah, he was like, first he, Crawford yeah. looked like he just dumped pads in a dressing room, right? So yeah. if I do, and it's nothing to do honestly. It's nothing to do with uh, trying to diminish Crawford's performance or his brilliance. He showed up last night. That was a career defining, legacy defining performance, and it, you know it, it was utterly brilliant. That can still be true. And Spence could still have been off and something's going on. And like you say, he hadn't fought for 16 months, I believe, in, yeah. up until last I, night. Um, I, really don't, I really don't believe that 16-month or 15-month layoff had as much to do as I think that accident did. Uh, no one yeah. gets ejected from a car at over 100 miles an hour, uh, you know, gets ejected from the car and lands on cement and you're normal afterwards. Listen, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, you know what I mean? It just doesn't happen. You don't have the same resiliency. Something's wrong. If you get tapped the wrong way at a certain point, all of a sudden that part of your head that 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 made impact with the cement is affected. I mean, it's just it's it, impossible. I realize you're not a neurologist amongst you, although you do have many you know talents and competencies. But can can it catch up with you something like that? Can it actually have a delayed? Um, well, reaction well, well, listen, it's it's a concussion, right? And, and once you've been concussed once, it's easier to happen a second time. You've seen yes. fighters, you've seen fighters with these cast iron chins, and all of a sudden, by the end of their career, or yeah. even after they get hurt, they're getting taken out by guys that are lightweight, like light punches, and you're like, "What? I don't believe it." We've and your brain that. doesn't know if it was a car crash or a punch or a knockout, right? I'm sorry. 
and your brain doesn't know the difference between a knockout and a car crash. No, absolutely not. No, I mean, uh, I mean, it knows the fact that like if it's if it's a knockout, if someone's hitting you, then it's like you get there's a this fatigue, this weariness you have as a fighter. You're like, eh, you know, I don't really want to, you know, I'm going to go through this again, and you quit for that reason. But this is an exact resilience issue, and and he yeah. got hit. And he was wobbling from shots that you know Crawford could punch, but you know, even even in his last fight with Ugas. Uh, it was, you know, there were times when he got hit. It just wasn't, he didn't seem to show that same resilience he had earlier in his career to me. And he didn't have the same sharpness either. And and that's the thing, like, listen, uh, I, I believe he did have it. I mean, he at least had a concussion. If not, I don't know what, what else happened to him in there. But th- there's some things that you can get by. You know what I mean? You can get by and your skills are good enough to beat all the other guys. But then when you get to the elite, when you get to that one person where you need everything and their air is really thin up there at the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you see a guy like, I fought from 86 on, I was fighting like with double vision. I had, I had an yeah. injury in the gym. And so you're fighting with double vision the whole time. Nobody else knows. But there's, good, but there's a difference in your performance for a reason. You keep it on the down on on the DL, right? You keep it on the down low because you don't want these people to know. Because one, the commission may not let you fight. Two, yes. you, you know, if they do let you fight, then they know you. Everyone else knows you have a weakness or you have a, a blind spot or whatever it is. So same thing with Spence. If, if doc, I don't know what the doctors who who put them back together after that horrific accident where you got thrown out the car. I don't know if those doctors said. Uh, you know, this is the problem with Spence and this is how his brain uh, is going to react to the trauma and it's not going to be the same anymore. I would think cement at 100 miles an hour is going to hit harder than Mike Tyson. <laughs> you know you what would, I mean? You would hope so, wouldn't you? But, you know, when I want to know how hard Mike Tyson hits or how hard the concrete hits, I always ask a person who's never boxed in their life and they'll tell me about Shavers and Foreman and, you know, and all the rest of those guys. <laughs> I love that when you get someone passionately arguing, nah, Forming the harder pound for pound punches and shavers for me. People <laughs> who haven't boxed or haven't been or haven't been at that uh, stratosphere where the air is really thin, they can comment on so many things, and sometimes they actually know more than than, than actual boxers do about yeah. certain things. But power, I think you've got to defer on that. Um, Mike Ayala has echoed what you were saying in terms of Spence having come back from the crash, regardless of what he, you know, what hurdles he, he overcame. He hadn't faced a fighter like Crawford before, quite simply. Yeah. And um, you know, um, Michael, I know you have ventured lately um, that the jab might be a slightly overrated punch on a default basis, but yes. no doubt you will. Um, you, you saw that it was very significant last night. Well, significant last night. I mean, any punch. Obviously, the jab is something that should be utilized if it can be utilized. And it was something that Spence wasn't able to get away from. Now, I don't know yeah. what they were thinking in training. They didn't teach him how to block Crawford's jab. It's very – there's nothing fancy about uh, Crawford's style. He, there's something – he's exceptional, but there's nothing unpredictable about him. You know what I mean? It's not like, Michael Nunn kind of vibe, no. Yeah, it's not like you, you don't know what's coming next and everything. I mean, it's hard to defend against. It is fast, it is powerful, it's purposeful. But it's it's not like somebody's like making you, distracting you over here, like Roy Jones, for instance, and they're hitting you with something else. It's not that type of fight. So the fact that it exposed uh, Spence in that he didn't know how to block the jab, he didn't know how to slip the jab. He didn't know how to pull from the jab. He didn't know how to lean from the jab. There was, he didn't know how to parry and counter the jab. So, of course, he's going to get hit with it. And this is what happens with fighters. like Especially once you get rocked, the jab is the simplest punch to hit him with after that. Did you hear Crawford afterwards say that they worked on having a spiteful, jarring jab? He said even if it was a little slower than, than ordinary, he said we knew we couldn't use a flick jab against Earl yeah. Spence. Yeah. But he said, yeah. So they worked on on having that thudding jab that he, yeah. that he utilized last night, you know, yeah. and um, yeah. the first knockdown, as you'd see, was, was that two, one combination. I, I guess I call it, you know, when someone he's in the sample stance, he throws a straight left, um, yeah. then comes back with, with, with like a jab, which is harder than the normal yeah. jab. The, the yeah, it's a power, jab. like a power jab. Um, power jab. Yeah. You, yeah, power you can try jab, it after yeah. the, after the backhand or on its own, if you just, if you put the weight on your front foot, you throw it on its own, you know, but it, it's, I guess it's easier to throw after you throw the, the backhand, right? 
Well, the thing is, if you throw, if you throw as southpaw, if you throw the left hand, the straight left, it's a distraction shot. It's, yeah. it, you know, you're throwing a power shot. So right away, you don't want to get hit with it. So you react to it, but you don't anticipate the jab hand coming at you afterwards. It's not, it's not something, it's not regular to see something oh. like that. So it's, oh. it's very effective uh, for southpaws. Uh, Hagler did it, every single, Camacho did it. All southpaws would do that to orthodox fighters because it's just such an effective punch. But um, but what he did was, he, you know, you bring his shoulder back and he gets his body weight. He gets his upper body weight. So he doesn't commit and fall if he misses. He doesn't fall in and can be countered himself. He stays on top of his feet. It's a power. It's like the safest power punch you could throw, basically. It's yeah, hard to yeah. counter. It's yeah. hard to counter, but it has a lot of power. It'll definitely yeah. drop you. And it, and it and it dropped a lot of it. It dropped. Uh, it dropped Spence last night as well. Another thing that gets on my nerves, by the way, we're talking technically now and we're talking about the anatomy of punches. Mm -hmm. um, and it always happens. You see this all the time and you get used to it. But at one point, Crawford throws this lovely uh, two-punch salvo when he throws the left hook from the southpaw stance, yeah? Um, mm -hmm. And then he throws the uppercut with the same hand. But it's all, you know, it's in a rear with the, it's with the, with the back end. Mm -hmm. And so he throws that. He throws left hook, left uppercut with the same hand mm -hmm. uh, from the back foot. And the commentator, a nice fellow called John Rawlin, who works with Richie Woodall from, from BT Sport, now TNT Sports in the UK, yeah. he said, all he says is lovely left from Crawford. Now that is so, you know, these guys are just <laughs> not seeing this stuff. If I if I'm boxing with you and I hit you, even with all your skills, with a rear hook, then a rear uppercut, just, yeah. just like boom, boom. Yeah. That's not a lovely left from from Doughty. <laughs> that is something that's yeah. special, isn't yeah. it? You know. But that's what yeah. they, these guys literally, they can see one hand or the other, and that's all you get from them. Yeah, that's one of the problems with boxing today. It doesn't have... Um... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It doesn't turn the people around that, but it doesn't introduce the people into the sport that should be in the sport, comedy and fight. I mean, listening to Al Bernstein, I mean, I, I know the other yeah. the kid that was a fighter. I don't want to hear Al Bernstein about that. He's saying the same old thing he said in 1986 on ESPN. You know what I mean? And you know what, though? But, but he throws in a few sexy phrases for, for today's jargon to, you know, to fit that kind of um, fashion of vocabulary because... Uh, it was Frank Lotierzo who had a big problem with. He said he said he started talking about the check hook, and he said, "I swear to God, for all those decades of broadcasting, Bernstein never once in his life throughout the eighties <laughs> and nineties referred to a check hook." And yeah. then obviously, we spoke about it before, but that phrase yeah. became uh, fashionable after Floyd Mayweather used it in reference yeah. to his fight with Ricky Hatton. Then suddenly everybody was acting like it had been part of the boxing lexicon since James Fig. You know, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, it's like all of a sudden everyone's like, oh my god, you threw a check hook, okay? Yeah. <laughs> just, just just as you know, when they do things like that. But anyway, but but so Crawford was just so thorough, like it's hard to explain. He 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 was he threw what he had to throw. He threw what he wanted to throw when he had to throw it. Like he he wasn't he wasn't rushed at all about anything that no. Spence did. He wasn't in a panic. For anything Spence did. At one time he got he got caught, I think it was with an overhand left, and it was a good shot. And I think it registered with him. It definitely got the tuning yeah, fork. Yeah. You know what I mean? The tuning fork went off yeah. in the head, that's for sure. But um, but he just stayed so resolute and in the pocket and right there. And he was ready to do anything. Like, I mean, he was blocking, he was parrying, he was pivoting, he was st stepping back, he was doing everything that uh, you know, um uh an exceptional professional boxer should do. He owned everything that night. You know what he said when that overhand left landed? Left or, he spoke at the moment when that overhand left landed, oh, Crawford. You know okay. what he said? He said, What's I that? thought, is that it? He said, you know, he said, this is he said, this is gonna be a long night for him. Because that was he you wait to taste the guy's power, right? You must have felt yeah. that way sometimes getting likes of oh, Aaron Barkley and obviously Tommy Hearns. You yeah. must have been waiting for that moment that is that it moment or yeah. can I handle it? 
let me taste that power. You don't want to taste it, but you know what I mean. You yeah, want yeah. to know that you can. You want to know that you can handle yeah. it. Yeah, when you get and hit then, by it, it isn't as bad as you thought. That was a litmus test for for Crawford, and he just said he thought, "Is that it?" Knowing already the effect that his punches were having on Spence, yeah. and he just thought, "Well, hey, that, that's fine. We we can but, live with that." Well, I tell you what, you know, um, when Crawford was hitting Spence. And as a fighter, when you're hitting somebody and you see the damage happening, that just gives you more energy. All it does is bring you on harder. If you hit a man and all of a sudden they start going red and you see the nose starting to bleed, it just brings out that wolf in you. It just brings out that yeah. blood in the water, the shark. And, and that's um, – you can't help it. It's like that's what you are as a, as a um as a hunter, you know what I mean? You see the blood and you want more and you just keep bringing it on. And it just, and it does make you stronger. It's, it's adrenaline. The other man's blood is your adrenaline and it just brings you yeah. on stronger. So when you see, so when you see Spence starting to swell up, I mean, I saw his face as early as the first round, everything just registered with him. And, and it was just, it was actually kind of sad to see. I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like he was lost at some point because he had no the corner. Was the corner a little um, too brave, as we say in England? Was, was the, should the corner have got him out uh, of there? Towards the end, uh, you know, I think at the end they were, and uh, but I think um, I, I think Harvey Doc did a great job in stopping the fight. He stopped it right on time. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, so so maybe it wasn't because they let him come out the corner and, and give him another chance. But here's the thing: that where was the plan B? You know what I mean? You have plan yeah. A and it's cool, but where's B and C and D? Like when things when things aren't going your way, how do you switch up? Like how does how should how could Spence have gotten out of that issue? Right? Personally, I think his best bet was to crowd him and bang the body and stay right on his chest and try to turn it into a phone booth warfare. I'm not suggesting that would have that would have been ultimately any more successful, but it was better than him standing at the range he was. But you don't you don't think that's what he was trying to do anyway? Spence, yeah, yeah, I did, but but he, I guess he couldn't do it. But yeah, um, yeah, because because like, do you see what Crawford did? Like when when Crawford when when Spence put his body on him, he pushed him off and turned him off. Like he turned him off. He controlled he controlled Crawford uh, Spence's weight. He controlled his energy and which way he was actually directing his body different ways. And just little step overs, but actually like shifting him. Look at the tape. He would shift him and move him. And, and that was brilliant. That was one of the most brilliant things about that performance that night. But I think that I th I think that if sometimes you have to do this as a trainer. The fights for 12 rounds. You've had two rounds that were kind of like not very good for your guy at all. At some point, you got to say, you know what? Okay, let's recalibrate. This round, I want you to. Just don't even throw as few punches as you can, as you want to. But I want you to just move and get a sense of this man. Get a sense of his timing. I don't think they understood what Crawford's timing was. I think in the ring, actual time, he was faster than they thought. They're thinking yeah. basic stuff. They're thinking going into the fight, oh, yeah, uh, I'm faster than him. I'm bigger than him. I hit harder than him. I fought better fighters than him. They're thinking about... Everything on the positive for 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 Spence. They're not thinking about what Crawford can do. They're just saying what I'm better at than him, and they think they're better across the board. And that's not how you prepare for a fighter like Crawford. You can't prepare like that. You need to prepare for the worst. And so you need to have that A B C kind of thing. We went out. We went out in the first two rounds. It didn't go the way we want. We're getting busted up. We're getting dropped. All that that kind of stuff. Guess what? Third round, I want you on your bike. Give yourself time. I just want you to, I don't even want you to punch, block, slip. I want you to see his hands. Those are the only two things that are hitting you. So give yourself some time in the ring with him to see his hands. And once you see his hands, what else can he hit you with? But sometimes you, because you're just so charged up and you have this fire inside you, you don't, you, you're thinking everything is about you. You're, bring, you're punching and everything's about you. But you're not seeing what's coming back at you because you're blinded by what you're trying to do. And that was the problem with this corner. You have to pull back and say, okay, let's take this round off, see what's up, let's restructure, let's recalibrate, then go. I think, as my friend Antoine Monsegur just pointed out, I think the physicality and the size factor was overrated by people ahead of the fight. A lot of the upbeat um, prognostications for Errol Spence, were, some of them were based on his size. 
the fact that he was a middleweight inside a welterweight's body, you know, and that he was... But uh, he didn't look, as, as Anton says, um, Crawford didn't look smaller than, than Spence in the ring, you know, at all, did mm -hmm. he? Yeah, you know, no, but... even when they were standing toe-to-toe, -to -toe, like they were standing at the press conference, they were pretty much like, it's an inch. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, an inch in height, five, eight, five, nine. Uh, that's not an issue at all. I, 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 you know, in boxing, it's very hard. All, all you're doing, really, it, all you're doing is like, it's about your fist. You have two things that can hit an individual. That's all you've got. So when they talk about weight advantages and stuff like that, I believe they, they do exist. And obviously, divisions exist for a reason. But, you know, ultimately, it's, it's about whether he's going to hit you with the left or right. He's not going to wrestle you into submission. And he's not going to jujitsu you into submission either. It's yeah. like he has to he has to punch you into submission. So so when that punch is coming at you, whether that punch is coming from two hundred pounds it. or a hundred pounds, you make it miss. You know what I mean? You do something with it, parry it, block it, whatever it is. But it's about the fist not hitting you. Not I don't care if his chest hits me or or if he pushes me. Or, you know, and that's what the referee's job is for to make sure it doesn't get into a wrestling match. So it isn't. The, that's where the weight advantage lies, right? If you had two linemen or two rugby guys, and you had one rugby guy's hundred pounds, the other guy's two hundred pounds, and they hit each other, weight's going to be an issue. It's not going to be as much an issue when it's like when you're talking seven pounds between fighters it's not that big a deal it really isn't i mean people were trotted out you know the old cliche a good big and always beats a good little and which we we <laughs> see we've seen two examples this week where the supposedly bigger guy in in, in these really big you know um mm -hmm. highly anticipated matchups got a one-sided severe beatdown. you know um see with anyway uh in tokyo on tuesday mm -hmm. i feel that was a classic case for instance of a really special fighter who made a who made a very good world class fighter look ordinary, but with Spence and Crawford last night, I feel that yes, that applies to a degree. But I do feel there was something wrong with Errol Spence as well. The last time I see a fighter where I, it, was, it was so obvious to me that not all was well with him for whatever reason in the ring on the night was Danny Joshua in the first fight with Andy Ruiz. You know when he clearly some, something had gone wrong with his kind of general physical and and, and, and emotional health. You know going into that ring so. Really, um, what, what do you think that was? With Joshua, well, I don't know, but I don't know how well you remember that fight. But in the corner, Joshua, after he got decked, was saying um, to Rob McCracken, "Why do I feel like this?" You know what, yeah. and was asking for, you know, asking really virginal questions for someone yeah. in that position, defending his, you know, unified what, what, you know, whatever championship in Madison Square Garden, but. Yeah. Uh, so so what, what, what he didn't understand is, and maybe I don't know if his coach knew that or not, was like he was hit like around the inner ear or something in the back of the head, right? Wasn't that a left yeah. hook? Yeah, high on the yeah. head, the temple, whatever, yeah. Yeah, tiny head. So, so temple shots are really like interesting shots. It's like they don't mix, they don't concuss you like you black out, like a shot to the chin does really. But your body just starts doing things that, you know, like an ether binge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do things you know. You know, one leg goes left, the other one goes right, and your hands are all over the place. But when you get in the temple, you get mixed up like that. You get those kind of shots, and and so maybe if the coach had explained that to him, and again, uh, he, you know, um, it could have been like a back of the air equilibrium shot, where like the the where your balance is is located, or a great deal of your balance, or those kinds of things make it uh, difficult to recuperate from. You're not knocked out. You're aware. You see everything happening, but you're not feeling good. So now you get back up. The bell rings. You get back up on your feet, and you're going for the next round. And guess what? You still feel unsure. Like your your feet, you're stepping forward, and you're stepping forward like you're kind of mired in, in like a muddy field. The, you're uncertain of the ground. The ground doesn't feel level. When a person comes at you, you can't gauge the distance the same. All these things happen after you've been hurt, and you, especially yeah. with the balance issue. And and so um, I don't know how his coach couldn't relate the, relay those things to, uh, to Anthony Joshua and just say, listen, again, disengage for a while. Give yourself time to get yourself back together. 
don't go back and do the same thing or then definitely don't stand directly in front of this guy. So these are the things that happens when you have like somebody who's extremely experienced in the ring who's, or at least someone who's gone through difficulties. They can impart stuff like that through their experiences, which yeah. a lot of fun. Ali, in his autobiography, which is heavily ghosted, but anyway, Ali describes the whole sensation as being something in the, he calls it being in the half dream room. And yeah. he says, and he kind of hams it up a little bit in, in the narrative about there being actors' clothes on the on the walls and all this. And he says, well, you should put on the mess and put on the actors' clothes and go with it. He said, the tune and thought will be vibrating, but it won't last. And you yeah. can get through it if you just be you're nice and fluid and go with the whole experience. Yeah. Camacho said something similar, albeit less ornate. Camacho said, initially, you're like, it's everything like this. And you see, you know, the whole image is wobbling and shimmering of your opponent. He mm -hmm. says, but then you think to yourself, I'm okay. I'm okay. And mm -hmm. I think some people, some people do have that kind of um, ability not to panic so much, don't they? As well as maybe being genetically blessed with a with a solid chin, or, you know, yeah. or a good skull structure, thick skull, whatever. But yeah, um, yeah. thick skulls definitely help. Yeah, but but I think there is something in there, isn't there? The idea that if you go with it and don't panic in that particular situation yeah. and accept the fact that you've you've experienced some kind of concussion, yeah. but it's not the end of the world necessarily, and you and you can perhaps get yeah. through it in a fight. Yeah, because sometimes people fighters have spoken about situations where they were out of it for a few rounds. Um, you know, and they don't. I, I remember you 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 said this. You this happened yeah. to you. Um, mm -hmm. And Donnie Lalong described a similar. Um, situation right yeah, where you yeah. literally don't remember a few rounds but but yes. you're you an autopilot getting through it so it can exactly. be done yes yeah it can be done and it, and again at that point it really i guess it really tells you much about not even your heart really it just how your program does the program go deep you know what i mean because what happens is when you get hurt and you're operating on autopilot can you still execute the way that you were executing when you were clear That'll tell you, uh, you know, so much about your abilities and and where those abilities truly are, where they lie within you. And if you're able to get through that uh, two, three rounds, you're kind of you're really literally blind. You don't remember, you don't see anything, but your instincts take you through, and, and you're trained that well. It has it has really nothing to do with conditioning. It has everything to do with um, your instincts, your what yeah. your fighter instincts are. And you know, of course, fatigue and not fatigue that helps everything. Um, but but ultimately, it depends on what your instincts are. What is your nature, I guess? Yes, and that's where you find out who you are in the ring, right? That it is yeah. a very essence-defining experience. If you, if you, especially if you, if you're a professional like yourself and you box in, in the rarefied company that you did, sooner or later, you're going to find the essence of your character and your humanity. <laughs> Yeah, better than feel at an IBM boardroom meeting or something like that, you know, um, <laughs> then more surface level. Um, I'm guessing you're not overly anxious to see a rematch, Michael. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm not. Um, like every, I mean, everyone's really like you can't see Spence doing any better than he did before, and I really, honestly, felt sorry for him. Watching him after the fight, I just, you know, he's. <coughs> I like him. I like. I mean, I, I like both of them a lot. But I, you know, his his nature, Spencer's nature. He seems like a really cool dude. Um, I, I wish him the best. I hope he had a lot. He got paid handsomely for this. I'm not sure what the call was, but I'm sure they're going to get a lot of money on the um, on the sales of the of the fight as well. So you know what they're guaranteed plus. I think he's going to be kind of significant, and I hope he has a really good money manager takes that money, does something really healthy and happy with it, and and um, and doesn't not, doesn't at least don't rush back into the ring. Yeah. You know, uh, I think after his that accident, I think he probably did rush back in. I mean, he was what was he out a year, year and a half? Yeah, not even. I don't believe. Not that. even. Yeah, I mean that's that's just amazing how he could even get back into the into into the fight game from that, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to seeing that fight again. I wouldn't I listen, you can't tell a man what to do, but if I were his management or his confidant, I would say, look, right now you're at a point where you're gonna start taking shots and those shots are gonna register with you the rest of your life. Like how you were speaking at the end of that fight is how yeah. you're gonna be speaking normally. And it's gonna yeah. get worse from there. It's gonna degrade as you get older. 
and that happens. So you, you wouldn't be too disappointed to see him retire. Um, yeah, yeah. I know it hurts to leave out on a, on a low note. It hurts, but you'll get over it. You know what I mean? And again, that 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 the money he got paid is going to be a really soft mattress for him. But you know, the more you go on at, at, when you're at this state, look. Here's this. Now that that's happened to him, there are guys that are going to be like, I don't know, twenty and ten with five knockouts. They're going to be going at him like, you know what I mean? Uh, that he's got a price. He's got a price on his back now. He's got a target on his back, and people are going to be looking to knock him off. And guys that aren't even that aren't even good. If they give him a bum coming back, that bum is going to be emboldened by the fact he's just lost to Crawford and. And they've seen him hurt. There's blood in the water. They've seen him hurt. He's wounded. He's not who he was. And they're going to, even if Spence beats them, it's going to be harder for him to beat somebody not as good now. That's you, just you, your, your view of boxing essentially almost seems to uh, mirror that idea of the street values of like, once you're not the toughest kid on the block anymore and you, and somebody saw you, yeah. saw you get worked over by, yeah, by yeah. the new kid on the block. Yeah, yeah. You know, public You've lost the cachet and the clout that you had. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at what, I mean, once Tyson lost, right? Once he lost to Douglas. Yeah. Man, it was open season. And then when he lost, a, and then when he lost to Holyfield, I yeah. mean, forget it. I mean, you even, even had guys like, like, I mean, both of you think wouldn't put up any kind of fight <laughs> against Tyson. But he came out and he was like, he was working for it the first three, four rounds. And generally, yeah. probably somebody like both of you would think, He's a tough guy, but you think he would fold under Mike's first impressive attack? You know what I mean? Yeah. When Mike was was that Mike, and and so, yeah, it's like he, you have that target on your back now, and everyone. Sees- know, it's actually if we go what two thousand four. It's nineteen years to the day, I believe, since my mate Danny Williams knocked out Tyson in four rounds in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky. Um, yeah. yeah, do you remember that when he when he was yeah. like Tyson came out like um. Like the Tasmanian devil for two rounds, as he always did. Yeah. Um, shot his bolt, allegedly twisted his knee, whatever, and then yeah. Danny came on and, and knocked him out in the fourth round. It's been it's been nearly twenty years since that happened yeah. today. And wow. um I, that must I remember have been Wayne, the happiest dude in the world. Yeah, well Wayne Alexander, uh, who was a, a big puncher from 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 London Way. Said because he was good friends with Danny, they both boxed at the Lynn uh, AC together, which is a gym I know Iceman John Scully knows pretty well because he, he, he sparred with Otis Grant there when he was getting ready for Ryan Rhodes many years ago. But anyway, he said that when Tyson visited uh, Brixton in the year 2000, I believe it was, and he brought the traffic and the whole area to a standstill, he said, We were just me and Danny Williams were just a couple of fans clamoring to try and get a look at the the great Mike Tyson. He said, but imagine if you'd have told Danny, you'll knock this guy out four years from now. Trust me. <laughs> Look at Kentucky of all places, you know. Um, yeah. but, That's amazing. But that That's- was a good example. Before I digress too much, I want to talk a little bit about Inouye and um, yeah. Fulton too, but that was Jim McDonnell, who was, a, who was a very good fighter in his own right, beat Barry McGuigan, lost uh, with credit against Azuma Nelson and, and also extended Brian Mitchell, the great underrated South African fighter. Mm-hmm. Jim McDonnell was uh, Danny Williams' trainer for this fight. And he, after Mike threw everything but the kitchen sink at mm-hmm. Danny the first two rounds, and it was mm-hmm. heavy weather in there, you know, like trying to read yeah. a book in a fucking tornado. And there was Jim McDonnell in the corner. He went, I see you've done it, Dan. That's all he's got, Dan. You've got him now. You beat him now, Dan. And, um, <laughs> classic because, because he, you know, when someone can put that so much belief in you, when really yeah. somebody, because Danny was a very sensitive guy too, and somebody talking to him another way, it could have, in theory, he could have folded, but he yeah. was just saying, "That's it, honestly. That's all he's got, Dan. Trust me." And he turned yeah. out to be right. But um, yeah. so, but earlier in the week, Michael, it was a yes. popular thing on social media to say, regardless of what happens with Spence and Crawford, mm-hmm. Naoya Inoue is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And they felt so emotional about it on Tuesday, they couldn't imagine they'd feel equally emotional on Sunday. And they say, "No, sorry, sorry, Crawford is the man." <laughs> I don't care. I don't care who is the who is the you know the uh, hypothetically best fighter in the world at any weight. Oh, unduly, I really don't. I think we talk about it far too much, and it just seems to be some kind of obsession, which becomes irritating. But mm-hmm. I think um, Crawford's. I, th- I think Crawford's win is probably the more impressive of the two. To be honest with you, although yeah. 
Inoue is obviously a creature. You know, he's absolutely, he's frighteningly good. He's another guy who doesn't seem to have a weakness in the ring, that, uh, does he? I'm, I'm not sold on Inoue yet. Um, you know, no, 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 no. He's he's exceptionally powerful. I do see that, and 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 um, I don't know. It's, it's not like he really leads feet. with his power yet. Sorry, he's got good feet and puts himself in good positions. Yeah, he, he's having a range. Yeah, he's got he's got good footwork. He does everything well. He's he's um, great combination he's, puncher. Yeah, he's a great combination puncher. He he does. He's yes, he's better than. We, we could do a sketch. Did you ever see that sketch, Monty Python, when they said, "What have the Romans ever done for us?" And then somebody mentioned something like, "Well, again, was the oh yeah, the roads. Well, the tech. Yeah, okay. So they did that. It, we could maybe do this sketch. And <laughs> we like, what the hell is it? As no, so what's the issue? No, it's just I see him. I see him. Uh, he's absorbed in power. In his power. And I see whenever a fighter is absorbed in that one thing, and especially the attribute of power as a fighter, that's something you always lead with, and that's the thing that it, that ultimately blinds you and also defeats you. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't, I don't dislike the kid. I like him a whole lot. I, do I think he has a ton of talent? Yes. Do I think he's? Um, do I think he's going to continue to cultivate that talent and grow from there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's with the people that are they're going to be able to do that. I don't know if he should be with. I don't know if he should cultivate more things and be able to do more things. But but um, but the nuances. The nuances. I'm just saying the nuances of the game. Like so, it's okay beating those guys, right? The guys that he beat. Okay, that's all good. But you know, at some point, as in every fighter's career, you're going to come up against that one guy that I don't know. He's a hard rock. You know what I mean? And you're going to have to do something special in order to beat him. And I'm not sure. I mean, again, it's you're you're kind of like complaining about ghosts. You know what I mean? It's like th yeah. those ghosts aren't there. He hasn't come I up think... against that yet. He may never come up against that. But it's just something that you know, as someone who's seen a ton of fights and a ton of fighters and have done it themselves, I'm looking at him like it kind of looks like there's a problem here, even though there isn't. It's beautiful. What like, you appear to be saying is that you don't regard him as the consummate fighting machine as proven that Terence Crawford is. Not yet. Yeah, no, he's not that. He hasn't fought that. I don't think he's fought that level of ability in order to be able to make those claims. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I don't know a lot about bantamweights and, 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 and super flyweights and all the rest of that kind of stuff. I don't. Um, they they could be just as competent and, and fooled with their punches. I know they do throw a lot of punches. They use footwork. They do all the rest of that stuff, and that's and that's great. Um, but I I just don't. Looking at his last fight against Fulton, I just kind of I I think I see something like Max Schmeling. Yeah, you did. <laughs> a nice reference. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you drops his left hand as a jab and you hit him with a right hand. Yeah, and, and it's like, and I'm thinking, that's if if I were if I were training somebody to fight him, that's just so glaringly obvious. Like his his head is always there to be hit when he's finished when he's finished punching. The, obviously, the the hard part is the fact that when he punches, people get devastated. Like he yeah. has incredible punching power, but it's not. It's like I don't think he's impossible to beat. No, if you if you if you were able to put the right type of fighter together, and that's a big ask, there's going to be a problem. He will have yeah. a problem. You know what I mean? Cool. And I understand he did have a problem with with uh, Nonito Donaire. I think the first fight was it. I don't know about a problem. He he experienced resistance, and it was a great fight. I yeah. I don't think he was really in danger of losing that fight, but it was it was a great fight. You know, he yeah. did he and, get dropped um, or anything like that? He didn't. Did he I, get dropped? I don't recall. I don't recall him getting dropped. I mean, maybe somebody could could contradict me, but I don't actually recall him getting dropped as such. No, but it was yeah. a fantastic fight. It was a slugfest, and it was you know it was yeah they both got down you know. But I think I think you always had the upper hand in your way. But it was it was a fantastic performance. From a past noon fighter in Donair, you know. Um, Simon, our producer, by the way, has asked for our thoughts on the Conor Ben debacle, as he chooses to call it. In case you were in need of an update, Michael, the news came on Saturday, I believe it was. Could have been Friday, but either way, 
that Conor Ben had been cleared by UCAD for the UCAD investigation, which means he's now free to box in the UK. Well, you know, he still needs to get a license, which he doesn't have at the moment. But in theory, he's free to box in the UK now. It was the UK that was really the sticking point. The WBC had exonerated him as far as their ranking procedure goes um, recently, only to, to drop him from the top 40 just the other day because he'd been inactive, which seemed a little bit of a contradictory uh, thing to do. But uh, no, so supposedly, according to Ben and according to Eddie Hearn, certainly, UCAD have cleared him and they haven't cleared him on a technical loophole about jurisdiction. They've cleared him in a more kind of wholesome way than that. But UCAD made a statement literally a couple of hours after Ben saying that, technically speaking, that he's not cleared yet, they were trying to say. They said that they can... It's a bit weird. They said both sides can appeal the decision, including them, but they'd be appealing their own decision, presumably. But it's mm. a bit confusing, but he is no longer provisionally suspended and it very much looks like he's mm. going to be back. No sanctions, no penalty. It's like his whole thing is he's innocent and there you go. So having broken it down in case you didn't know, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I did know because I looked at your page and I saw yeah. I saw the announcement. Um, I'm I was really I'm indifferent. I guess it it um, there's certain <clears throat> fighters that don't intrigue me in that way. Like uh, he's he was a fighter that was heading somewhere and was getting somewhere and was getting noticed and recognized obviously for his talent and the fact that he's his father's son. And um, so, you know, there were some good things about him. And then this whole thing happened and we all know it is what it is. It's not, you know what I mean? If you, you were caught with drugs in your system, now that's an issue and you're going to have to do something to make people forget it. And, and that would be, you know, beating some exceptional fighters clean. And, yeah. you know, uh, should we give him a second chance? Yeah, why not? I guess we, I don't think we have much of a choice. We just have to kind of like watch it and see what happens uh, because that, because the organization's made a decision and whether we like it or not, that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be. He's not the only one, is he? The thing is, he does seem to have, he seems to have borne the brunt of, 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 the, of this almost certainly national, anger almost directed at everybody who ever failed a drug test condensed onto Ben um, mm. because um, you know we had Tyson Fury people argue the, the ins and outs of it and that's fine but you know, Tyson mm. Fury had the um, failed drug test and Nandrolone which ended up causing him a whole lot of problems and inactivity and court cases and stuff mm -hmm. you had Dylan White has, has, has had what has served two, well, one drug ban he served for two years the other one he was exonerated from but not not without a, a drawn out process for several months and a lot of, you know, slurs on his name in that time. Yeah. Uh, guys like Povetkin have, have had that kind of thing. Obviously, um, Big Baby Miller has got a whole, has got quite a long rap sheet when it comes to that. Um, Canelo. And, and I don't think we should ever normalize cheating either. We should never normalize it. It should never be accepted. We've always got to come back at them. But, you know, after it's after it's all said and done, we don't have much of a choice, right? We just have to watch it happen. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, um, I mean, people say, you know, one of the things people keep saying all the time is our money talks. But the thing is, if it was if money was that sacred and power and influence, Ben would never have had the problem in the first place, would he? He'd have been untouchable if, if, if that was really true right mm -hmm. to the hilt. But obviously people who have who have the leverage of, of money, power, influence, and, and you know, a famous name, mm -hmm. they have a better uh, recourse, you know, they have a better redress yeah. than people. There was yeah. an obscure guy called Liam Cameron who tested positive. I think cocaine, it was, I think, I think he almost was able to prove, or it seemed very likely that his cocaine, the cocaine was from a banknote that he had been pissed, you know, just a 20 quid, whatever, even collecting mm -hmm. ticket money from, from his mates. And one yeah. of them might have snorted, you know, might have had a 20 pound note that somebody had snorted coke with. But and he got banned for four years, which was career yeah. ending. And, he, and he, when I say obscure, he was a Commonwealth champion, but nobody knew who he was outside yeah, of the. Yeah, army, so, yeah. You know, group. that's what that's what uh, happened. He, that's what happened. He was trying to right? That's yeah, what happens he does powerless, right, Ben? Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's that in every stage of life and in every walk of life. It's like that. It's like the person without the influence, without the power, without you know what I mean, without the lights. This is just the way the world is. They, you know, they eat the unfortunate, and uh, and they satisfy 
whatever um, angst or whatever angers or biases they have, they take it out on the weak. And the ones that are strong enough and resilient enough or have the resources to come back at them, they don't have the resources to go at them hard. It's like, it, it's it's unfair, but that's unfortunately just the way the world works. Doesn't mean we should accept it. Doesn't mean that it's not the end for Ben either because a whole bunch of people from now on are going to be like, ah, he's a cheat. I know he's a cheat. Yeah. You know I'll, what I mean? That's just something that's going to follow. He's going to live with that now. It's going to follow that him. That stigma will follow him, you know, and some yeah. people will be behind him and, and some people will never forget that and, and they will yeah. use it against him, you know. And the mm -hmm. same thing happened with... Um, with Canelo even. I mean, Canelo, it didn't stop his earning power yeah. or his or star yeah. power, nothing. Yeah. But you'll yeah. still get people making, people making jokes for years about Clem yeah. Butrell, yeah. you know, hey, listen, and Clem Yeah. If, if, he, if he ever, like, he goes to the Ball Hall of Fame or if they say he's going to fight this guy, that guy, and they're talking about potential, potential, like, uh, super fights or, uh, in history, you know, everyone would say, well, well, you're talking about Canelo with or without uh, steroids. And, and they but, say it about Roy Jones too. You know that. I, you know, I don't hear that as much about Roy. But, oh, and that's, I guess, I don't know why I don't hear it as much about Roy as I did about Canelo and, and guys like that. Maybe it's because, uh, I mean, I don't know. Roy was... He was just so technically different the way he did things. I mean, steroids didn't make him box differently, but I'm sure it's a physical game. Sorry, you know, no, they didn't, but it is a physical game. Yeah, and sometimes that's crazy. Yeah, do, you, do you remember Amir Khan when he fought that guy? Um, when he fought Marcus Maidana and yes. he looked absolutely electrifying physically, just his speed, his stamina, his legs, his durability on yeah. the night. He just looked like fucking Superman. Yeah. And that was right at the time when he was working with Alex Ariza, who, you know, is a notorious name when yeah. people talk about uh, yeah. the fringes of sports medicine, shall we say. You know, so, um, I mean, Roy, the, the kind of Superman that Roy was, it it doesn't preclude the idea of steroids, I'll say that, or the idea of yeah. performance-enhancing yeah. drugs. Because, and, and people could also argue, you know, look how, look how he felt to put pieces rather dramatically, really, because he didn't have any orthodox method and rudiments to hide behind, arguably, when that, when that crazy athleticism had gone. And you're talking about fractions of seconds and, in, you know, fractions of inches and stuff. You know, so you, you could make a case that, that it's not irrelevant to Roy Jones' style. Obviously, he was a genius, and that mm -hmm. would have happened. You could have fed him on a diet of ramen noodles and cherry Kool-Aid, and he'd have still been a genius and, mm -hmm. and, a, yeah. and a great champion, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, the, the, the way, listen, the, we expected a lot out of last night's fight, and it wasn't, uh, you know, a lot the fight a lot of people thought in terms of it being like uh, an evenly contested fight until the end. Um, but it did give us a clear view of the, like the beauty of boxing, like the, 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 uh, uh, Bud's professionalism, Bud's excellence. Well, I think that's the thing, Michael. What we've seen, we've had two highly anticipated matchups. Certainly, one was referred to as a super fight. Maybe you call in in UA and Fulton a trade super fight. But we had them on the same week. Everybody was saying this is boxing born. The heavyweights should be ashamed of themselves. This is going to be the week for boxing fans. And to be honest, we saw two pretty disappointing fights, didn't we? Very one-sided drubbings. Yeah, I don't know if I would count on the Inouye fight as a super fight because, one, Fulton... I said try a super fight. Okay, yeah, because Fulton, uh, he was champion, but nobody knew him to be super, right? And and he kind of... In, Some people in get of... really excited about Michael. Some people saying this will be the one, not Spence Crawford. But I think, actually, neither of them was the one. When you're looking at if, if you're looking at the bar being like Ali Fraser won, Leonard Hearns won, or even Hagler Hearns, you know, um, even Hagler Mugabe, you know, I don't think we, we didn't see that kind of thing. But what, what is interesting and what I think is, is positive and fair enough is that people were so excited about the performances of Inouye and Crawford and they regaled in the brilliance of the winner to the point where they didn't really mind. They didn't complain about the fact that the fights weren't competitive. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Because, yeah. Because they were excited by the phenomenon that they were watching in the ring with, with both Inouye and Crawford. Yeah. Now, what did you like so much about Inouye? I just if, you take, if you take away the power, if you take away the power, what did you like about it? What is not to, Michael, what is not to love about a jab to the body, 
a right hand to the jaw, and then when you see the guy is not quite going down from that, he's getting up again, you hit him with a pitch of perfect left hook, which yeah. you have to take steps to hit him with. What mm -hmm. is not to love about that? Um, and then at some point, I see him throw like a 13-punch combination um, at some point before that as well. I just I just think it makes it look ludicrously easy. He reminds me a little bit of Donald Curry in some ways because he's so mm -hmm. such, such precision. And so No frills again, you know. Um, yeah. I so, think so, just... so where do you see him in the uh, top 10 of fighters? What, today? Yeah. I, th I, I agree with people that him and Crawford are jostling for for the top spot. I think they've lapped the rest of the field at this point this year. Including, so. including, including Davis. No, no, you know what? Maybe not. Um, and Davis, I don't believe Ryan Garcia was a top tier opponent, but um, but it, but it was. Um, and he took care of him like he was incredible opponent. He, and he, and he, and he, he certainly took care of him with, without you know unduly breaking sweat. So I would say Davis in your way. And uh, you know, listen, a guy like Dimitri Pavol is a really good fighter. This is why it gets complicated, this whole pound-for-pound pound picture. And I think people spend too long trying to unravel it, like like there's any logic really to it anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. it is logical and it isn't, you know what I mean? Because ultimately it's... Well, he's the best in his weight and he's the best in, you the know. Thing is, in your way, is, is a four-weight world champion. He's been the best in every division that he's occupied. I think the interesting thing about him is that people are thinking about him fighting as high as lightweight and not writing him off. I wonder, and certainly everybody probably thinks he can walk through everybody at, at featherweight right now, even though yeah. he's currently yeah. at super bantamweight, having yeah. come from light flyweight. That yeah. that is a special talent, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I thought Nassim Hamid looked like a really special, like he could be an era-defining fighter at one point, but he's not. A, but he's not a patch on what Inoue has done, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This it's a it's a real interesting. I don't know. I, I just see. That kid, somewhat of a, like he's a conundrum for anybody to fight, but he has his own in, in itself. Like I, I don't see him. I see him as very talented. I see him as he hits hard. He goes to the body. He does the things he has to do. He does them right, and he's exceptional. And I see that. It's just I don't know why I can't get get over the fact that the guys that I've seen that fight him haven't. For instance, this kid Steve Fulton, he didn't have the he didn't have the weaponry to do anything with him. This did you exactly notice? Yeah. Did you did you notice that Fulton's feet were in a straight line a lot of the time with the back foot? Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. But I but what I did see was, you know, his his everything was just like this blatant lack of power. And why is there a lack of power? Well, because he wasn't turned to, he taught to transfer his weight properly when he punched. So a guy like, so why are you going to stand in front of a guy like, like in a way, if you know, you're not, if you, you know, know you're not going to hurt him, why would you stand in front of him? It's, it's just, it's just mind boggling the ability. They, they went over there thinking, Oh well, you know I'm this guy from Philadelphia. I'm tough and I'm a world champ. This guy's coming up from this weight division, and there's no way he's gonna, there's no yeah there's no way he's gonna hurt me. I mean, where do you come off thinking like that? Like I, the thing is, Michael, like you say, I, I think he stood his ground because maybe they expected him to move and and stick a little bit, and I think maybe he had this logic. You know, this idea sometimes people get in their head when they think. I can't run too much. I'll give him too much momentum and too much ground and I'll, I'll embolden him too much. So I need to stand my ground and not go anywhere. Like, that's a good... But like you say, if you don't have the firepower to um, to stand in front of somebody... Mm. And the, the other conundrum he had was if he did think he was going to outbox um, Inoue and counterpunch him and all the rest of it, he suddenly realised he was dealing with a better counterpuncher than he was and a better boxer and a sharper boxer mm -hmm. and a guy that was quicker than he was as well. So mm -hmm. it was as if he literally had no advantages at that yeah. point. Yeah, um, he had no advantages. And, and here's the thing, listen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
any fighter will tell you, as soon as the guy jabs you in the body, he's setting you up for a headshot. And this yeah. this kid, this kid, that's exactly what Inouye did. He, he jabbed him to the body. He jabbed him to the body, I don't know, maybe like a, a lot of times before he finally brought that one up to the head. So he felt, he just, he, he put him to sleep with it. He's like, bam, hit him in the body, hit him with the body. He thought nothing was coming. Then he stepped in with that jab to the body through the right hand to the head. And that's, that's again, that's boxing 101. If you've been boxing for a while, you learn that. You distract, you distract, and then you come up with the shots of the head. Perfectly done by Inoue. Absolutely well taught. Perfectly executed. But what's Fulton thinking? The, a, guy, think, a guy's jabbing you in the body. He's warning you. He's warning you the right hand is coming. The constant theme which arises here, show after show, particularly for, for your end, is that you feel there was a deficit in terms of coaching, in, certainly in America today, and mm -hmm. that you feel too many people are phoning it in when in a way that's perplexing and frustrating because they are not they're not teaching they don't have enough plans you know the yeah. plan B and the plan C like you said and they're simply maybe they're riding the wave a little bit you know with the good days are the good days and the winds are the winds you know yeah. the papers over the cracks of whatever's yeah. not going right with their well, particular you, they're, they're not seeing the, they're not seeing the bad the honesty of the fighter they're not seeing the truth in their fighter they're not seeing the weaknesses in their fighter they're not they're not willing or they don't know how to plug the holes in the ship until the you know what I mean? And even when they become a problem, they can't either. And that's so such an important thing. You have to you've put a fighter together, you've built him up to this point. You have to be able to see where he's weak as well and build on those things. So build his strengths and mask or strengthen his weaknesses. You have to do that. Because you never know, you never know when you're going to come up against. You know what I mean? That's why. I mean, you see, Greg Page losing to what's his name? Oh, what's that? The guy's name? He was a small cruiserweight. Like David Bay. David no, Bay. It wasn't David Bay. It was um, oh my God, it's on the top of my head. He was um, he had two fights with them, and they were stinkers on TV. Uh, somebody oh, got to help me. You don't mean Page. Chaplin, George Chaplin. George Chaplin. Yes, yes. And if you see these fights, they were on NBC and they stuck out the place. And it's like, how do you not know how to take care of this guy? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Even if you hadn't trained for months, there must be the conversation between the fighter and the trainer has to be so... Um, like the trainer should be able to make himself understood. In fact, that he can tell this guy, this is what you got to do to take him out. Bam, tell your fighter, your fighter goes out there and does it because there's there's no resistance in this guy, in the opponent you're fighting. There's nothing stopping you from, like he doesn't have anything to stop you except for he's awkward. Or So teach him how to get around awkward. Teach him how to, like, like the basics, like Crawford did. Teach him how to block a punch. Yeah. How many fighters in boxing? They'll get when you say like what what uh, what Fulton did when Inouye came, he went like this, and he, he stepped away. He went like this. When Inouye punched again, he went like this. Guess what? After a while, you're dealing with a guy with a, like almost a ninety percent KO average. He's gonna get. He's either gonna get your ribs, your kidney. He's gonna hit you with an uppercut. He's gonna drive it between the gloves. He's gonna hit you in the ear. So yeah, he won't hit you directly in the face, but he will catch you somewhere and he will knock you out. And so that's why it doesn't. I don't understand how fighters who've been in the game before and they're now training fighters. Why that information from their experience doesn't get transferred to your fighter? I don't understand that. Yeah, it is a mystery, and it's a it's a longer conversation. I think I think there is there is something to it. I, what I think is there's not really levels with trainers. You know what I mean? You might get a great trainer who's languishing in obscurity, but has got a very good boxing IQ and a very thorough approach, and you know is worth his weight in gold. But he might not be in a certain position right now, but for, for various reasons. And you might get a guy who's right at the top, sitting pretty, with a few few marquee fighters in theory, who perhaps isn't as diligent. And even as knowledgeable or as committed as he should be, you know what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think people make a lot of assumptions, don't they? They look at a guy. Yeah. I mean, I think 
just in closing, we've, we've done the hour now. I think it's been a, a great segment. But um, someone was saying, I think it was Oscar De La Hoya who said, watch the trainer of the year curse play out tonight. And he was, he was talking about Derek James. And someone else got on Twitter and said to Ryan Garcia, look at this. He's not a good promoter for you. He's actually basically hoping you get beat. <laughs> look at this. But he was saying, basically, look at, you know, Derek... Because Derek James was being treated like the second coming of Christ. In, uh, yeah. And I'm not saying he isn't, by the way. Well, I am saying he isn't. That'd be bizarre, wouldn't it? That'd be a ridiculous statement to make. So I'm prepared to say he's not the, the resurrection. But people were saying he was, you know, a fantastic trainer. Mm -hmm. I know Art Moro, you know, a guy who talks mm -hmm. to us a lot on Facebook, has got a very high opinion of him. Right now, he's got Anthony Joshua. He's got Errol Spence. He's yeah. got um, uh, Ryan Garcia. Uh, yeah. you know, Charlo as well. Okay. But... De La Hoya was trying to suggest that, um, that he was a little overrated, perhaps, you know, and he said, watch the trainer of the year curse play out. I know certainly that Derek James copped a lot of flack online uh, in the last several hours for, for not pulling his man out. So yeah. all I'm saying, I'm not singling out Derek yeah, James. I, I wouldn't give him one to pulling a man out. I, I mean, that that was, it was, it was close. I was like, I was like, what? Exactly when it was stopped, I was saying that's when it's going to be stopped. That's when it should have been stopped. But you would fault him for you. You would perhaps fault him for for some of the. Um, yeah, he wasn't yeah. prepared. He did not prepare uh, uh, the kid right for Crawford. Absolutely not. So here's the guy. So here's so here's the thing. Derek James is training um, Errol Spence for the biggest fight in boxing. He's yeah. also training Anthony Joshua, mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Garcia, Angelo Charlo. Right. Yeah. Now, Michael Elijah has got all his knowledge, knows what to do, and he's training a bunch of Victoria's Secret models, right? <laughs> does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, I probably get paid <laughs> more, too. You probably do. That's the only reason why I don't want to encourage you to go down this road too much, Michael, because you probably couldn't take the dip in income uh, bracket. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. It's a long time between fighters getting paid. Plus, also, it actually benefits my good eye. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, any that's, models, uh, yeah, it's... yeah. You don't, you don't need any straight undue strain on the retina. Very. See, you always think of everything. That's that's why I do this with you. To be honest, I mean, that's <laughs> as much as anything else. And I look forward to doing it again next week. Um, thank you all for tuning. In. Thanks to Simon Willis of Ace Podcast Station. As always, we will be back next week. Um, we'll probably have a guest. You never know with us. You don't know what we're going to do next. We don't know for sure. But either way, please join us. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.